Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. So many of you have come this morning to gather with us uh, with your church family. So thanks. I pray that your time with your family has been good, but then thanks for coming together as a church family today. Uh, as a kid, I, I had a problem. I had a lot of problems, probably, if you talk to my parents. Um, I'll see them later this week. But I had one specific problem that I want to begin uh, sharing with uh, you today. I, uh, I don't even totally know how to talk about it, but I struggled as a kid with being let down. Now, let me explain it this way. It wasn't necessarily people in my life. Some of us can really resonate with that. Maybe people in your life. Uh, that, that can be painful, but true people in our life that let us down but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about today Uh, I I struggle by being let down by my expectations like I I remember so specifically as a kid I would get so excited for a big event a big event that I knew was coming for weeks and weeks and in my mind I would just think about it I would think about all the details and how it's going to be and how much fun it's going to be and who's going to be there and I remember that and then and then when it was over I was like a wreck emotionally. I just couldn't handle the letdown after the big event. I remember specifically growing up, we would spend the last week of the summer on vacation. We would go to the beach with my family, uh, my siblings, mom and dad, but then also my grandparents, aunt, uncle. So it'd be a big group of us. And I have such incredible memories of that every year. And it was really neat for me because it was the last week of summer. So it was something to look forward to all summer long. But then I can remember the feeling, like I can remember it right now, like in my gut, the feeling of that last day having to pack up, having to go home, the long car ride back from the beach and feeling so sad. Why? Because vacation was over and also meant school was starting soon. It was the worst. It was the worst. I wonder if you can relate to that at all in your life. The anticipation, the excitement for the moment, for the experience, and then it's over. It's done. It's a little microcosm of the world in which we live. The day after Christmas can feel a lot like that for some of us. All of the excitement for Christmas, all the anticipation and the buildup and the preparation and the planning, and then seemingly just like that, it's, it's over. It's over. So I have a picture here, and this may describe, this may show like some of you, maybe your living room looked like that years ago, maybe it still looks like that right now, but whether, whether you can relate to this actually looking like, like, this is how some of us feel today, can I, can we just be honest, like that, like there's joy in that, and there's celebration, and there's like some chaos and wrapping paper everywhere all over the house, and whatever your kids got in their stockings are strewn about 15 different places in your house. And so that is how many of us feel, at least inside, today. Maybe for you today, Christmas has been amazing, and I I hope it is. I hope it's still amazing. I hope you continue to celebrate. This is not me trying to talk you out of celebrating Christmas, so please don't hear what I'm not saying. Maybe you've celebrated, you're continuing to celebrate. Maybe this Christmas you've really been able to worship 
You've really been able to worship and experience the joy and peace of our Savior. Maybe you gave some sweet gifts and you got to see people receive those. and that. Maybe you even got a gift or two, man. That was awesome. I'm glad that you did. That's awesome. But now it's kind of over, right? If it's not like totally over for you, it's almost over. You've got like one more thing, one more gathering, one more, but then it's, it's over. It's over. At least one toy has already broken. There's already a list of things that need to be returned, right? Because they don't fit. That's painful, right? Maybe like little kid Adrian, it kind of feels sad inside. And if I'm being honest, it's not just a little kid Adrian thing. I still struggle with the letdown sometimes with the buildup and the excitement, and then it's over. It happens every year, but maybe even this year, since we're, I'm getting to share with you the Sunday, the day after Christmas, maybe, maybe it's, it's most appropriate, this day after. Today, we're kind of day aftering as a family, aren't we? So maybe, maybe for you, though, Christmas has been great. It's been awesome, but maybe for you, it hasn't been all that great. Maybe it never is. Maybe you always feel a little bit like the screw. Everyone else is excited and it's the hustle and bustle and you kind of dread this season. It's hard, it's difficult, it's painful. It's something you have to get through. Um, maybe Christmas itself is a day that's just a real struggle and you feel embarrassed or ashamed, but it's true. You just want to survive it. So this morning, every person, right, we can just be honest before the Lord. Uh, I was looking, experts say as many as 64%, that's a lot, 64% of people deal with what's called holiday depression. What does that mean? It's triggered by this season. What is Christmas? It's a season of intense emotional, financial, and physical stress. We can say amen to that, can't we? A season of intense. Now, intense can be good, right? Or it cannot be so good. So an in intense season of emotional Financial and physical stress. Merry Christmas, right? But statistics say 64% of us in response to that deal with some sort of holiday. So, so in light of all of that, no matter where you find yourself in that conversation, I, I believe there's a, there's a good word for us today. And it's not my word. It's not my idea. I, it comes straight from God's word. And so if you would with me the day after Christmas, uh, fast forward a little bit in your scripture to Philippians chapter if you have your copy of scripture, would you open it there with me today? Uh, we do have a version Bible event set up each and every week. So if you go to your version Bible app and go to events, you should see it pop up right there. And there's some extra notes and you can follow along there uh, later. You can follow along too um, to, to follow up on the message today. But the word for today is not from the baby in the manger. We're, we're not forgetting him. He, he's still there. In fact, he's very much alive but we're going to fast forward a little bit to Paul, the Apostle Paul writing from a Roman prison to a church in Philippi. And so Philippians chapter 3, there's a word here that I think is for all of us on this day after Christmas. So I'm going to invite you to do something we do periodically as we read the word. I'm going to invite you today to stand, uh, to stand as we read the word. Some of you need a little bit of exercise today. It's all right, you know. One more, uh, get up on your feet, it's okay. We're just going to stand as we read the word, and we're going to invite the Lord as we read his word to open our ears and open our hearts and open our eyes to receive these words for us today, December 26th, 2021. This is what it says in Philippians 3, starting with verse 10. Paul says this, I want to know Christ. Christ, that baby in a manger, right? The one that we just celebrated, the newborn king, right? He says, I want to know him. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection 
and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. If you've been journeying with us before Christmas, we've been studying a lot in the book of James, and James loves, loves to talk about suffering, loves to talk about perseverance. We're going back there uh, this coming uh, Sunday, uh, Sunday from today, but this is where Paul brings us, that we want to know Christ, even participating in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. And then verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. Would you help me this morning, a little bit of participation? Would you help me, would you say press on? There you go, that didn't hurt you, see you did it, good. I, I press on, it says, verse 12, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. The Apostle Paul wrote 13 books in the New Testament. He said a lot of things, but when he says the one thing, I got to tell you, I'm listening. I'm paying attention to what's coming. So what does he say? The one thing that I do, forgetting what is behind Straining towards what is ahead, I press on. Say that again, press on. Toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Our title for today, it's not surprising, it's called Pressing On. So turn to somebody before you sit down and say, hey, I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. Then you can sit. You can sit. If somebody didn't do it, look at them again and say, I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. Have a seat. Have a seat. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you for your word. We're pressing on. We're pressing on. Uh, I want to dive into these words today, Philippians 3, and I want to suggest that today can be, it can be a, a divine reset. A divine reset today for you and for me. I want to suggest today that no matter where you are, you came in today joyful with your Christmas sweater, ringing your jingle bells, it's all good. Or you came in kind of like, oh, I don't even, you know, I don't, you just like feel like you got run over by a truck. I don't know. I don't know where you are today, but I want to suggest that all of us today, we could use a new perspective. Our focus, our mindset, our outlook could use, not a human, not a physical, not, not my idea of a reset, but, but a divine a divine reset. Because you see, as our outlook shifts, as our mindset shifts, so does our goal, so does our direction. And that's really where Philippians 3, that's where Paul is bringing us today. So let's look at it again. If you still have it there in front of you, uh, I'm going I'm to pull it up here on the screen. Let's look, go back and look at some key words here in the text. First of all, here at verse 13. In verse 13, what is Paul saying? Brothers and sisters, and, and I've highlighted two words. I think these words are, are key, the key in what I'm going to call the divine reset for you and for me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Now, I've, I've highlighted two words there. I, I would suggest these are the uh, two most important words in verse 13 for us. The words are this, what? Not yet. Not yet. Think about those words uh, with me for a minute. I think they're really important. Those two words, not yet. They communicate a powerful truth. It was powerful for Paul. He's in prison. He's in prison facing uh, what, what will likely be his death. But I think it's powerful for us today, thousands of years later. Because Paul is speaking of something that has not yet been completed. And the truth is, if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are in a not yet kind of journey. 
That's the journey that you've embarked on. If you're in Christ, these words, not yet, should become very familiar to you. This is not just kind of Paul on a soapbox sharing his idea. This is, this is him revealing truth that really for anyone, anyone who, who is in relationship with Christ, finds their identity in Christ, their mission in Christ, we really, we really are in this not yet reality. What does that mean? Not yet. Uh, it means that no matter how much we look and, and long for good things in our life, exciting things, fulfillment, wholeness, completeness, we are living in a reality where it will always be not yet. They should write a song, right? And I don't think it would be very popular, but maybe it would be. The day after Christmas, we should sing it where it's called Not Yet. Not yet, not yet, not yet. Everybody's like, stop, what are you doing, right? But that's true. It's true because really we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be shocked by the disappointment we feel at times. That shouldn't surprise us. We shouldn't feel guilty by that even. But some of us do when we feel a little bit let down, a little bit disappointed, it's actually to be expected. Why? Because we live in a not yet reality here on earth. And Paul is saying here on this earth, here in this kingdom in which we live, we are always going to experience the not yet. It's always going to be not yet. But I don't want you to just hear those words as kind of a Debbie Downer, right? Like Merry Christmas, not yet. Right, right. I actually want you to hear that the power and the hope in those words. Because... We may see that as an acknowledgement of incompleteness or disappointment, but there's actually hope in these words. Look at it again. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. You know what Paul didn't say? He didn't say, I will not take hold of it. I will never take hold of it. I'm not going to ever get, right? That's not what he said. What he said is not yet. You know what that means? You know what that means? My kids are in the backseat. Dad, are we there yet? And if I say, no, never, not going to happen, right? No, but if I say not yet, you know what that means? We will get there. We are going to. We're not there yet. Oh, it's painful now. And it's hour 43 of the drive, whatever it feels like to you. But, but not yet. But there's hope in those words, right? Because the hope is we will arrive. And that's what Paul is saying. It's not yet, but it will happen. It will come to pass. It will be completed. It's coming. It's coming. It's not yet, but it's still on the way. And so there's hope today in us stepping back and kind of resetting our reality. Our reality means that we live in a world where we're constantly, we're going to feel this, we're going to experience this, we're going to acknowledge we're in the not yet reality. Not yet. But not yet doesn't always have to be a bad thing. Not yet means, hey, we will get there. We will arrive. We will experience it, and we long for that moment. And then look at verse uh, 13. We've already acknowledged this powerful thing. Paul says, but one thing I do. Of all the things that you can say, one thing. If you only remember one thing, remember this. This is important. Maybe as we turn from Christmas towards the new year, this is a message for you. What's the one thing? What's the most important thing that I need to focus on, that I need to be thinking about? And remember, Paul is in the midst of of incredible disappointment. He's been faithful to the Lord. He's been preaching the gospel. And where's it gotten him? In a Roman prison. Even in the midst of that, he says, there's one thing. And before he tells us the one thing, he's going to give us a little bit of explanation uh, behind it. So what does he say? One thing I do, and then he gives us this idea, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. This is not the one thing. This is telling us, this is describing the one thing. So look, look again. What does it mean to forget 
what is behind. It doesn't literally mean forget my past, as if I've lost my short-term and long-term memory. That's not what Paul's saying. The implication here is I no longer regard it. I don't pay attention to it. My past can yell and scream and carry on as much as it wants, but it falls on deaf ears. What about your past today? Maybe this isn't even as much about yesterday. I hope yesterday was okay. (laughs) What about your past? What about the things from your past today that that are weighing you down, that the enemy is loud in your ear telling you all of the things, right? All of the ways that your past has been a failure. All of the ways that your past... But, but Paul is saying, man, i got to forget that. That my past falls on deaf ears, right? And not only that, forgetting what is behind, but then look at the next part with me. Straining toward what is ahead. I don't just turn forward. I turn in and I strain forward, kind of like a runner that's running towards the tape at the end of the race. There's a, there's a forgetting. For what, what, I, I can't allow the past... To, to, to overwhelm me. I can't let the past dictate what the present and future will be. So, so I'm, I'm forgetting that. That falls on deaf ears, and then I'm straining. I'm leaning in. I'm pressing on towards what's ahead, and then I spoiled, I spoiled my one thing, right? Because what does he say? One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. What is the one thing he says? I press on. I press on. I press on. Do you see how, how that one thing, there's, there's some pain in that maybe. There's some real effort. And there's kind of digging deep. I press on. But, but there also can be hope in that, right? I press on. There's something up ahead. There's good things. that, that it's, it's, worth, it's worth moving forward. I can't just stop where I am because there's good things ahead. I have to press on. Press on. This is the one thing. I press on and I don't stop. I don't get distracted. I don't get tangled up in all of the other things. I press on. I don't get stuck in the fact that yesterday was Christmas and today it's over. I strain forward. I press on to what, you say? I press on to what? Well, Paul tells us. I press on because I want to win. I want to win. Now, there's a word that's spiritual for some of you, right? Because you like to win, I played some board games yesterday with my family. I got to tell you, there's some people in my family, they really like to win, right? We like that idea. We win. Well, that's what Paul's saying. We're pressing on because we want to win. This is a race, and we're not just out here for a participation medal. There's something at stake here, and we want to win. What are we trying to win? Well, he tells us, heaven, heaven, that I'm pressing on to win. There's a goal up ahead, and it's not really a trophy, It's not really a feeling or emotion. It's the reality of heaven. It's eternity. So in the pain and disappointment that we experience, we come to a powerful realization. This world, ultimately, is not my home. It's not. It's not. Remember the newborn king of Christmas. Remember his upside-down kingdom. What does that do? It points us to the truth that this kingdom, this reality, is so different than his kingdom and his reality. And yet we see it again here, this not yet mentality. I have not yet experienced the fullness of his kingdom. I have not yet experienced the fullness of his joy and his peace and his healing and his hope. Why? Because this kingdom is not my home. Don't ever get too comfortable here because this kingdom 
is not our home. And in this kingdom, there will always be a shade of disappointment. There will always be a little bit of letdown because this kingdom is not all there is if you are in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself reminded us of this truth. Don't just take Paul's word for it. Look at Jesus. These words in John chapter 14, he says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. I got to tell you, this week, I was preaching to myself and I was preaching these words because in the disappointment and in the pain that we have some, we have some responsibility in that. It's not just, oh Lord, give me peace. And oh Lord, would you help me? I felt the Lord saying to me, hey, Adrian, don't let your heart be troubled. You have some responsibility here. You have some ownership in this, don't you? And Jesus said, don't let it happen. Don't, don't let your heart go there. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house, Jesus said, had many rooms. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And here's a powerful promise for you. <laughs> if I go there and prepare a place for you, I will come back. We talked about that a few weeks ago, didn't we? That the promise of Christmas is not just the promise of the past and not just a promise of the present, but it's a promise of the future, that the king is coming back. And Jesus reminds us again here, if I go and prepare a place, I'm coming back. And I'm coming back to take you to be with me, that where I am, you will also be. You know the way to the place I am going. Jesus doesn't just tell us to not let our hearts be troubled, he gives us a specific reason why not. And what is that reason? Because he is preparing a place for us. In the same way that in this place, we're always in the not yet. We're always experiencing shades of disappointment. We're always going to be a little bit let down. Jesus says, hey, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled because there is a place I'm preparing where that's not the reality. There is a place where it's, that's, it's not you're living in the not yet. Oh, it's, it's a, I have arrived. I will experience. I am preparing a place that is not like the kingdom of this world. My kingdom, I'm preparing a place and I'm coming back to bring you there with me again. If Paul speaks of the not yet reality of life on earth, then Jesus is speaking of the final fulfillment of that reality, of that longing. Maybe, maybe we don't really think of heaven at Christmas, but maybe we should. Maybe it's the perfect time to think about it. At, at Christmas, maybe Christmas is this glimpse that we get and maybe this analogy will resonate with some of you more than others, but maybe Christmas is this glimpse that we get of heaven here on earth. And it's just a glimpse because it's not perfect. And it's not the fulfillment, the full fulfillment, right? But maybe it's just this tiny glimpse of heaven. And perhaps that's one reason. That's one reason the day after Christmas is so difficult for us. Because we wake up and realize, man, I long for more of that. I was made for that. I was built. I was created for that, but I'm living in this. And there's always going to be a little bit of disappointment in that, isn't there? See, we, we have to acknowledge the reality of life still on earth. We have to acknowledge that we're still living in the not yet. What's the best Christmas you've ever had? I don't know what it is, but maybe you do. Maybe you can think of that moment, that memory, that year, that gift you got, that gift you gave. I don't know what it is. Stop and think for a minute. I promise you, 
I promise you, the best Christmas in your memory is nothing. I mean nothing compared to life in eternity for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I have not yet gotten there. I promise you, beyond that, not yet, is something far greater than even the greatest Christmas that you've ever experienced. So what does this mean for us today? It means that following Jesus is always about the what's next. It's always about keeping your eyes fixated on what is ahead. We can't allow ourselves to get too distracted or weighed down by yesterday or the day before that or five years ago or ten years ago. We have to keep our eyes. We have to press on. And there's some pain in that maybe. There's a little bit of frustration in that. We're having to press on, but there's hope in that too. I'm pressing on because I'm living in the not yet reality of this kingdom, but the promise of his kingdom yet to come. I had the uh, privilege, I, I say that actually, the privilege of running uh, a few races, and some of you are like, what is wrong with you? I mean it. I actually felt privileged that the Lord allowed me to have the strength and endurance to do it. Uh, but there's one thing uh, that particularly came to mind this week as I was thinking about you and I was thinking about this message today. So, so I had the privilege of running a couple races, and no, I, I didn't win. Uh, most of you are looking at me like, yeah, we knew that, bro. Um, no, I mean, I mean, I, I didn't win, but in some ways I did. Uh, there's something really spiritual to me about running, and I know some of you are like, well, there's something very carnal to me about running, so I, I understand. But for me, for whatever reason, it, there's just so much about that, that ability to just be able to run. Um, it, it parallels to me this idea of running a, a physical race, but, but also the spiritual race in which we run. Paul, many, many times, he does it in Philippians 3, many, many times throughout the New Testament, there's these analogies to running a race. And whenever I do, I just find it's, it's this really awesome spiritual experience. So I know you don't understand it, but just trust me. So this was the second race, like long race, that I've been able to do. And it was uh, since I had done it, I'd done one like five years ago, I was a little bit more prepared this time. There's a few things that you learn from actually going through and running the race. All the training and preparation can't really prepare you until you actually do it. And so by doing this again, there's a few, few ways that I was more prepared physically. There was a few things I was more prepared for mentally. Uh, the race was in Richmond uh, a few weeks back, and there was literally like 10,000 people there. So there was a ton of people, which was a little bit overwhelming. And because there's so many people, they don't just like fire off a gun and like thousands of people stampede over each other and the person in the front falls and everybody. So they let you out in kind of waves. And because I knew <coughs> I was not going to win, I was one of the slower waves. So I didn't get to start at the beginning. I started kind of back here. So as you're waiting there and you're hearing the first group released and the second group released, and the third group release, you're kind of, you're thinking through kind of this incredible moment. And it's hard to explain, but I had this incredible sense. I kind of got emotional, which I know it makes no sense to you, but this is just my experience. I, I kind of got emotional that this moment is coming. It's time. It's time. Let's go. No more preparing. No more planning. No more anticipating. This is the moment it has come. And so as I'm standing there preparing for the moment where the gun goes off and it's my turn to start running, this anticipation starts to build in my heart. So we began the race and I had one goal. My one goal was this. Listen, my goal was not to be the fastest. My goal was to not achieve even some incredible time. You know what my goal was? To finish the race. Let me tell you, that was my goal. To, to reach the finish line. But listen, not just to get there, but to get there without stopping. 
That was my goal. Even if it got ugly, even if other people were looking like, what is going on with him? Other people were like, oh my gosh, what is he doing? I, I wanted to get there and I wasn't going to stop. That was my goal. I didn't care if I was the last one there. I didn't care if people applauded when I got there or they were kind of you know, in shock, whatever. I just wanted to get to the end without stopping no matter what. One foot in front of the other again and again and again, just like some of you walk out your faith every single day. That's how I felt. So I, I mentioned I had done some longer races before and that prepared me. But one thing you learn, you learn as you've done this, is when you begin, your tendency is to go too fast. Your tendency is because I'm running with thousands of people, right? And there's all this adrenaline that happens and, and you're kind of excited again. You may not understand that, but I was excited. So, so your tendency is to go too fast. And so I learned from the last time, don't do that. Don't do that. So literally, as I'm starting the race and experiencing this adrenaline, I just keep telling myself, not too fast, Adrian. Not too fast. I keep telling myself, almost audibly, almost out loud, first mile, second mile, don't rush. Don't rush. Do the next mile. Focus on the next. Don't worry about that person blowing by you right now. Don't worry about the fact that you're running and that, you know, that's like a grandma next to you and you're running. This. I love grandmas. But don't worry about that, Adrian. Just run your race. Don't run their race. Don't worry about their, you run your race. Not too fast. Not too fast. Just focus on the next mile. And then something really remarkable happened. Completely unexpected. I mean, completely unexpected. I kept expecting to hit a wall, not literally run into a wall, but expecting to cramp up, expecting when is the mile I'm going to get to and I'm going to struggle. It's going to hit me. But something incredible happened because I kept getting closer and closer and finally, I get to my last mile, and I felt awesome. I know that's weird. I can't explain it. I don't understand. But I never felt better. I felt better at mile 12 than I did when I started. And I, I became fixated in that moment. I've only got one more mile to go. The finish line, the finish line is up ahead. I realized in that moment, I'm going to do it. I went from this not yet to the, oh, no, no, it's, it's coming. The, the finish line was not just some, some idea, abstract reality. It became a very real reality to me as I had one more mile to go. So I began to run a little bit faster in my last mile. Then I got to this spot where somebody held up a sign, and they said, only two more turns to go. And then I began to, to get more excited. I could sense it. The finish line was coming. So I ran faster, and I ran faster. I ran faster than I had all race. I ran faster than I had throughout any of my training. I was pushing myself as hard as I could possibly go, not because I had to, because I wanted to. I wanted to finish the race. I wanted to finish strong. I wanted to finish at my best. I had this smile on my face. I was running. I, I passed 100 people in my last mile. They probably thought this guy is possessed. What is wrong with him? I was running like somebody was chasing me. I was going as fast as my legs would carry me, and I had a smile on my face, and I had a tear streaming down my cheek. I was running like a madman, but I'm here to tell you, I finished the race. I finished the race. Yeah, look at that guy. He smells awful, but he's smiling because he finished the race, and I don't know today about the race you're running. Today, you don't know if you're in mile one, mile 12, mile 25. You don't know, and I don't either. I don't know. I know that Christmas was yesterday, and we can't have that day back, can we? 
but around a turn. It's, it's behind you now, but I assure you, I assure you, church family, there is something much better ahead of you. That may not feel true today, but I promise you there is something far greater ahead of you. Just focus on the next mile. Focus on the next step. Focus on pressing on in spite of what's happened, in spite of how you feel today. Believe that we're in the not yet reality of this kingdom, but the promise, the promise of a kingdom yet to I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 43. A verse that may seem harsh the day after Christmas because what does he say in verse 18? He says, forget the former things. And some of you will go home today and your Christmas tree is still up. You might even have a gift left to open. And that sounds harsh. I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget. But this is what Isaiah says. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. And that might seem a little harsh. But then we get to read the rest of the promise. This is what the Lord said through the prophet Isaiah in verse 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness. I'm making streams in the wasteland. And today, some of you might feel like you're in a desert. It might feel like a wasteland. And the God who created you And he created you for something far greater than this reality. He created you and inside you, he created you with this sense of not yet because this isn't all there is today. If you'll commit to press on, to press on, his promise for you is I'm making a way in the wilderness and I'm making streams, I'm making streams in the wasteland. The desert of your present, the desert of your past doesn't have to be your reality. Not yet. Not yet. We press on. We press on. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to spend a couple minutes together praying, asking the Lord to come and speak to us because I believe this is true for us, but I don't know exactly where you need this word to be true today in your heart. But I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. So I'm going to invite you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. And each of us today, each of us today have the responsibility of not just being listeners, hearers of the word, but doers of responding in action to the promise of God. I love the words to that song. We're going to sing it here in just a minute. Strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. Think about that today. Think about where we are, where we stand right now. Strength for today. Oh God, give us strength for right now, for where we are, not where we want to be, not where we pretend to be, but strength for today and hope for tomorrow. So Father, we thank you for the reminder of the not yet reality of your kingdom, that we're living in the not yet. That's hard at times, it's painful at times, it requires us to put our heads down and keep running the next mile, but but there's incredible hope Because while it's a not yet in this moment, the promise is it is coming. We will experience it. That there is your kingdom that we will experience if we would just press on. And so today, we would pray for strength for today. 
Give the one today that's weary. Give the one today that feels alone. Give the one that just feels disappointed, not just by Christmas, by life and by circumstances. Give them strength for today, right now, and give them a hope for tomorrow that they can't explain, that they don't understand, that the circumstances can't explain, but can only come from the promise that you said we shouldn't let our hearts be troubled because you're preparing a place for us that's far greater than any Christmas we've ever experienced. Strength for today, hope for tomorrow. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.